Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to us, and how you listen to us. Thank you for making the sports and the world podcast part of your day. I'm Ladarian. And I'm Chris. Hopefully you are well and safe out there. How are you, my man? I'm good, man. I'm good. Yeah, a lot of good things happened over the weekend and and this week. Aaron Judge got paid. It's a good, you know, nice, nice fat contract for him to stay in pinstripes. And he showed some loyalty. He got a fatter contract from a losing team on the West Coast. And said, "No, no, I'm gonna stay in pinstripes. I'm gonna show some loyalty." Yeah, I, I really like. And let's just lead it. It's a packed show, so let's just let's just jump right on into it. Aaron Judge, nine year, three hundred sixty million, stays with the Yankees. Um, just your just your thoughts on the contract and was it's it the right? Deserved. Yeah, it's it's deserved. Uh, he led the league in home runs, RBIs. You look at his stat column. Uh, Shotani's the only one that that stood, you know, tit for tat with him. Um, I think that this this was a crucial signing to build around him and create a new dynasty. What they, the way they did with Jeter and the way you know and all and the the Yankees of the past, give this man the title captain, build the team around him. I think next is the pitching. I was really hoping that Justin Verlander would come to the Bronx and said he's going to the Queens. I guess he doesn't want to win a World Series anymore. Uh, rumors reported that he didn't want to have to play the stress of October baseball, so that's why he went to the Mets. <laughs> As you see, I'm I'm firing on all cylinders already, man. Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, I'm, but I'm no, I'm, I'm happy to I'm happy to see him get signed, man. I, that was definitely something that uh, I don't want to say it troubled me. But as a, as a Yankees fan, as a sports fan, I was happy to see that Brian Cashman opened up the wallet and paid the man. Now y'all can say, oh, you know, New York buys their trophies. Look at how much the Dodgers have spent. Look how much the Astros have spent. Look how much the New York Mets have spent. Um, look how much the San Diego Padres have spent. Now shut up and be normal, okay? Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. And I'll just say this for we for Trinity, like I said, busy show today. Um, what I will say is this. I think at some point I didn't see Aaron Judge going anywhere else. So I think it was just kind of like the Yankees are bust kind of situation. I think one way or another they were going to find a way to figure it out. So I'm glad he's gotten paid. It, you know, my my people who know me, I, I it's just baseball contracts to me. I look at it in a different scope than I do they're say they're wild. Than I do say an NBA contract. Because, see, the thing with NBA contracts, NFL, you know, it's the guaranteed aspect. Oh, yeah. and, and and mind you, if you're an NBA guy, and you're in, I'm trying to think, I can't think of the play off the top of my head. But there have been several players who, I mean, I look at the Knicks. Let's just use the Knicks. Well, Isaiah Thomas was running the regime. He was paying guys. We're not, that, that's an episode in itself. But the point is, the way the contracts were structured, they were still paying dudes who were no longer on the roster. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. You know, J- Jalen Rose was getting an ESPN check and a check from the Knicks every, every biannually. So he, he was getting paid two ways. But like I said, good on Aaron Judge. I, I look forward to see what other moves. Brian Cashman, who got a four-year extension. I'm looking forward to see what, how this team is going to progress forward. And just how, and then next week we'll, we'll delve more into 
free agency. By that point, there'll be more a bajillion more signings. Yeah. You know, one thing I wanted to touch on, you know, with baseball contracts, you know, I was actually, uh, I was uh, sitting, you know, uh, at work today and I was talking with a guy. Uh, so he's a, um, he's an Orioles fan. Uh, so naturally, you know, it's a very sad conversation. Uh, yes. um, you know, but, you know, so we were talking about the difference of contracts, baseball versus basketball versus football versus hockey, soccer, et cetera. It, you know, a lot of people knock baseball that it's not a, physically tough sport and demanding as football is now i'll be the first one to admit that um you're not running you know four second 40s at 270 pounds and hitting somebody and then that person getting hit is like 510 and weighs you know a buck 95 yeah you know yeah football is very physically demanding but i think the long term of baseball is more is you got to figure the nfl you have uh 17 games a season Mm-hmm. And then you have four preseason games. Right. Baseball, you have uh, on average between 18 to 22 preseason games and then 162 game season plus playoffs. Yeah. And it's not single elimination like it is in the NFL, for example, where you go to, you know, let's just say the Bills win the AFC championship or the, the AFC uh, East, and then they go play in the first round of the AFC playoffs and they lose. That's it. They go home. Now, if you're the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Astros or, you know, you, you play game one and you lose, you still got four games to come up and win, you know, win three. Um, and so I think that long term and then also you look at baseball, they're playing sometimes two games a day. I've never seen I, I, from the Dallas Cowboys to the New York Giants to the, the, the New England Patriots. I haven't seen them boys strap up in a set of pads twice in one day to go play. So. Uh, you know, the baseball gets a little bit of a fatter contract. You got to look at the hours they put in at the end of the day, too, I guess. Yeah, and, and, and I'll just make this quick point before we, before we go to college football. I think my issue is, and you made a very good point about the length of the season, but I look at baseball contracts the way the is based on the longevity you play the game. Like, it's statistically proven that you could be 40 years old and there's a greater probability – to play in baseball as opposed to basketball would probably be second and football is kind of like third and not just because of the physicality because then you got to break down position like what Tom Brady's doing at 40. That's a freak. That's a freak in nature. It, it, Most 40 year olds are it, kickers. It, yeah, it, it's an anomaly. Like Adam Vinatieri was kicking until he was 106 until he finally retired. So you know, guys like Morton Anderson and you know, those guys get so to me, when I look at a baseball contract, I just simply go, look, the length represents the the, the how much you're going to get out of the player itself. And, and it kind of yeah. ties into your point about to the context of the long like 162 game. Like I did, you could be playing 180 games. Like it, you Shut know. Up. So so speaking of one for one sport that plays a lot of games to a sport that we're getting a, a couple of we're getting some more games down the stretch is the college football playoff. Everything is said. Conference championships are in the books. We have our top four. We have our semifinal games. We have our New York six, New York six bowls. And to to Chris's dismay, probably Ohio State got in. And and I was watching the. US. I told you. Yeah, I told but, you. But here's the thing: when you U.S. out of all the teams who played in the conference championship games, the one who had the most to lose was USC. Because USC was kind of hanging around there, and they were they were right there at four, 
So they had to kind of win their the Pac-12. TCU, in my opinion, which was a heck of a Big 12 championship game. It, every year it seems that that game always gives us a classic. T, a TCU loss didn't hurt TCU because that was their lone loss, and they lost to the team that won the conference championship. That was the case you can make for TCU. And Ohio State was kind of like that person who leaks, who's kind of lurking behind the shadows. They were waiting for somebody to lose. And they were, more specifically, USC had to lose. Because I don't know how you make a case for, you know, if USC would have won over Ohio State. When we talk, you know, I've talked about a couple weeks ago about resumes. But to me, I look at these games and they're just interesting. But I want to get, before, before I carry on, I want to get your thoughts on the matchups and your thoughts on, and your thoughts on the games themselves. Um, you know, there are some interesting games. Uh, you know, most importantly, did you, uh, you catch the uh, Ohio State score for the Big Ten Championship? Yeah, I didn't either. That's the point. Uh, this, this man, <laughs> I swear. Hey, Spitting facts, I, baby. Spitting facts. I, yeah, I'll just say this before you continue. I need to cut you off. If you're listening in the state of Ohio, I, I'm pretty sure that they're probably trying to find your – you go, you drop down your airport. You, you go to the airport in Ohio. Like you, you better hope you're you're on the right American side Airlines of Ohio. Gate. American yeah. Airlines gate. I'll be there waiting. And uh, hey, hey, what is Darius? <laughs> yeah, he took the train. He was smart. He took the train. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, there there was definitely some good games. Um, you know, most of them went the way that they should have. There was a couple upsets there. Um, you know, so we'll talk about the games that, that went the way that we thought they would. Um, the Clemson-UNC game, I think we all expected Clemson to, to walk away with that victory. Um, of course, Purdue and Michigan, um, we expected Michigan. Michigan has just been outright dominant this season. Um, you, you know, the, the K-State-TCU game, I, I try. I try to have respect for the for the Big 12. It's, it's, it's hard. It, you know? In, in the words of Gunnery Sergeant Hartman from Full Metal Jacket, they are all equally worthless. And I think that's two, I, two, two Full Metal Jacket references in, in back-to-back shows. That's a record for, for a movie for movie quotes. I'm, I'm out here, man. You know, uh, th- this is one of those things that TCU is, ah, oh, they're so great, and rah, rah, rah. And then K-State comes through and, and pulls it on them. Um, I expected TCU to play better for them to be, and th- and this is what I talk about: how they force teams into the playoffs or the top five that just don't belong there. And I know everyone says, "Oh, the S- you just have SEC bias." No, I have statistical and factual information bias. What and what I mean by that is, I look at the facts and I look at the 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 way that these teams really play. And then most of these teams, you line them up against someone that's good, they lose. At the end of the day, and there's no arguing those statistics. Uh, I definitely expected a much better game out of uh, out of TCU than what they played, but here we are. The one game that I actually that I did expect an upset was the Utah USC game, um, and the reason why I say this is Utah's kind of been finding themselves on the map. And you you look at the way that the Utah Utes have played. So they opened the season up against against Florida. Now I think the Florida team at Game One versus the Florida team at Game Twelve were two vastly different programs. 
I think that the Florida team on game one had a lot of heart and a lot of uh, uh, tenacity. And I think the Florida at game 12 was a broken, defeated team where a coach is cleaning house and he's getting rid of the riffraff and the players don't like it. And you got players entering the transfer portal and then you've got players making poor decisions and going into the NFL draft when they're clearly not surviving college and all of these things. But, you know, Utah showed a lot of guts. For a Pac-12 team to stand toe-to-toe in the second acoustically loudest stadium in college football and almost win, that speaks volumes. And, and, and I talked about that week one, how that, that kind of that gave some respect to the Utah program. Um, USC, they're another glorified Notre Dame, another glorified Ohio State. They, they have all these cool uh, uh, hype videos and, and all these cool uh, – uh, fair weather fans all over the country but at the end of the day they just you put them in a tight situation they typically choke and stat, facts and stats don't lie yes usc was good in the early 2000s and Pete carroll this isn't the early 2000s if you notice from about 2005 up to now there's one conference there's one conference that's just been god awful dominant and all that facts and stats prove that so i'm happy to see that upset unfortunately by that happening yes it does ruin my day and it does give Ohio State just another chance to get into a bowl game and, and, and get just absolutely annihilated. So we'll circle back to that in a few. One of the games that I definitely want to throw some shade at is the Tulane UCF game. So no pretend national championship for UCF this year, kids. Um, first and foremost, you struggle in your division. You let teams like Temple put up 500 yards against you and teams like Navy beat up on you. And a team like Tulane uh, I, again, this is a team I legitimate didn't know their mascot until I literally started doing uh, the, the show. Pre- I, I caught the, a little bit of the game uh, over the weekend, and then I see that the green wave. I mean, that's a silly map, but that's a whole other thing. But at least I knew them, unlike the Wildcats, so I guess of, of Northwestern. So at least we have that. But uh, I hope that uh, the exit of UCF out of there in the is it the Mid American Conference if, if memory serves me right or you you, you it's the they're the American Athletic Conference or AAC yeah the the almost athletic colleges uh, um, for the record shade, I didn't say that shade for the record shade. I didn't I'm say just, that. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, we might as well we might as well change the name of this episode the shade and more shade um, Chris I, Chris has a shade G, has a shade tree in his house that's so, it man. I've seen it. It's, it's, it's too big for the house, but it's shady, man. It's shady, slim shady, man. Uh, so UCF did all pun intended, drop the ball against Tulane and get slapped around by Tulane to lose their, uh, their conference title. Now they're going to go to the big 12, which as much as I dislike the big 12 is significantly harder than the, the AAC. So watching UCF struggle in their division to go get slapped around in a big boy division, um, they're about to get a big slice of humble pie. And I look forward to watching that next season. Uh, You know, last but not least, and I think it was the single most important game of the weekend was the Georgia LSU game. I'm going to be honest with you, Ladarius. I expected a much closer game than what we got. Um, We got a, a massacre. We got the law and order in some cases are specifically heinous. And chink, chink, whatever the whole speech is. That's what I was hearing towards the end of the game because the University of Georgia was, uh, ass- we'll call it assaulting uh, 
there's other terms that, that we could use, but I know some people get butthurt and they're sensitive. So we'll just call it assaulting. They assaulted LSU in a lot of bad ways, <laughs> in many, many bad ways. Um, Georgia just, Georgia came to party and, and dude, they had 50 to 30 final score. Um, they came electric in the first half and then definitely kept it up and kept pushing through the second half. Uh, Stetson Bennett, 274 yards, four touchdowns, not a single interception. Uh, Kendall Milton with 113 rushing yards. Their leading reception was Brock Bowers with, uh, with 81 yards and a touchdown. Um, Georgia came to play and Georgia, they said, you know what? I don't care who we play. We could play Alabama. We could play LSU. We could play whatever. We're going to get that SEC trophy again. And I'm going to go ahead and put this out there. I think Georgia goes back to back. I, I think they win the net because they've got a cupcake game in their semifinal game against the overrated, overhyped Ohio State Buckeyes. And they are going to embarrass Ohio State. Ohio State struggled against a, a good Michigan offense and a decent Michigan defense. They're going to be playing a great Georgia offense and a scary Georgia defense. Um, welcome to the big leagues, boys. Can't wait to see you lose again. It'd be a, a pure entertainment for me. Uh, we'll title that show. I told you so as well. Um, but on the other side of this, of this game is uh, I'm, I'm picking on LSU, but you know what? Brian Kelly came into a situation where I don't think he was well received. I think that I think that LSU fans, LSU diehard, I don't think they wanted Ed Ogeron to leave. I think that was a school decision, and I think that uh, that was the bottom line, and the Stone Cold of LSU said so. Um, and the, here comes Brian Kelly, and we, uh, present company included, me, you, uh, a lot of people, the hype videos and the L's and the dancing and all this shenanigans <laughs> and then they come out and drop a game to florida state out of the gate and we're like well and this is what we expected kids yeah and then they quietly kind of started building the resume and they kept winning and winning and then they shocked the world and they beat El or, uh, alabama and now we're like oh shit like is LSU serious? And they have a decent resume. You know, they got bumped down to 16. I, I think that's a little bit of a harder fall. Um, you know what? They are a four-loss team. But if you look at those four losses, all those four losses are still teams that would walk into the, into the Big Ten and possibly win the Big Ten title, definitely win the Pac-12 and the Big 12. Um, but you know what? At the end of the day, for his first season, walking in, and going to the SEC championship game on a rebuilding team. So if you remember, LSU lost 90% of their talent to the NFL. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Joe Burrow and NTN and all these other guys deuce, chucking the deuce up and they're in the NFL and they're having themselves a wild ride in the NFL right now. Um, and, and that's a hard – and, you know, the only team in college that seems to get that right – that will ship a load of talent off into the NFL and then just come back with a load of talent more is Alabama. I think that every school needs to sit down and go to the, the Nick Saban school of recruiting 
and and do what he does. Because if you look at the early 2000s, like the Florida Gators, for example, you know, two national titles within three years, multiple New Year's Six Bowl games. We had all of this talent, and then it just it went to the NFL almost all at once. Percy Harvin, Chris uh, uh, Chris Rainey, Tim Tebow, the Pouncy Twins, uh, uh, Major Wright, uh, Brandon Spike. Dudes that have won one, if not more, Super Bowls. And it went to that rebuild. And then that's where uh, the, the the coaching carousel came, you know, started coming into play. And with Will Muschamp and then Jim McElwain and Dan Mullen, you know, so on and so forth. So I, credit is given where credit is due, I guess. And, and hats off to to Brian Kelly at LSU for, for really turning the corner this season. Because I think this season could have went bad. And we talked about midseason. Will he have a job by the end of this season if things go as bad as, as they started looking at? So definitely, you know, props to him. To, to come into the SEC and coach in the SEC when you really haven't spent a lot of time there, that's a hard thing to do. But then to go in and go to the SEC title game your first year and beat Alabama your first year, credit is given where credit is due. So hats off to, to Brian Kelly there at, at LSU. Hats off there to old Kirby at Georgia. And, uh, you know, on then with the bowl games coming up, we're definitely going to see some some decent games. Uh, Michigan, uh, that, I think that's going to be a fun game to watch. And then the the Georgia Ohio State game. I'm just I'm waiting to watch Georgia just utterly mutilate Ohio State. Oh, I'm just waiting till you were done. Senator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I, I yield my time back. Yeah, because you know. Well, I want to keep the show flowing, so I'll just say my few words before we transition. <laughs> J- just a couple of talk. I think he had all the. I think he covered the talk all the talking points. But what I will say is this: I-, I think to your point about Alabama, it's not the recruiting that makes Nick Saban great; it's the coaching itself. And some some coaches are built for college football. That's Nick Saban, and in the NFL, he wasn't terrible with the Dolphins. He wasn't terrible. But you could sense that he was built for co- he's built for molding talent. He's not up for coaching multi-million dollar players in the NFL. That's not that's not his bread and butter. But to that point, and I had to go on Twitter at Lakers underscore Brown, and I had to when, when I put my top four out, and I essentially said, well, it's going to be Georgia. I just, and, and I said in no particular order. I said Georgia, Michigan, excuse me, Ohio State, TCU. I, I said in no particular order. And then people want to come at me. They have the nerve, the audacity, and, and the temerity to come at me and say, well, if Alabama would be and, and, and listen, we have to we have to operate under the under the guise of facts. This year's Alabama team, they've they struggled more. They have not as bad as other Saban teams, but let's face the reality. Arguably a top three quarterback in Bryce Young, he was nicked up this season. He's dealing with the team whose defense, that front seven, a lot of those guys either went to the draft or they just lost them. Rebuilding certain parts of your team can be great. And I use USC as an example. USC was absolute cheeks last year. They were straight (laughs) cheeks. And all of a sudden, Lincoln Riley comes in, the transform portal happens, 
and they're a 10-win football team. And, and I tell people, you can turn around the program now in a year as opposed to maybe five, 10 years ago where it would take three years because the transfer portal now is helping teams get that one or two players that are experienced as opposed to you bringing in a freshman. And I'll just say this other point before we transition. Is when I look at this, I look at Georgia, when I'm always amazed at what I watch Georgia. I, I look at this Georgia team is not only great defensively, they're great on offense. Stetson Bennett, Stetson Bennett to me reminds me of a higher echelon version of A.J. McCarron when he was at Alabama, where you're just – your, your simple job is to not lose the game. I don't like I don't like the phrase game manager. I, I don't I don't mind people using it, but I don't like it. But Stetson Bennett knows how to control the game, and then you're asked to make one or two big plays down the field. And we have a guy like Brock Bowers who who's going to be listen. That guy is a tight. He, he's like Kyle Pitts. He's a he's a wide receiver in tight ends clothing. Okay. Yeah. So like you, we we can write down tight end on the on the piece of paper and all of that jazz. We can put it on the paper and on the draft prospect list. Brock Bowers is the versatility and this offense was better than with Georgia's offense last year because Georgia's defense carried that offense. Now this year you're getting Kirby Smart, you're getting an offense that you're getting a team that's balanced. That's what makes Georgia scary. Scarier is that last year the offense was listen. I meant they weren't cheeks; they were semi cheeks. But now they're they're well rounded and balanced. Like I, 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 what I expect is I expect Georgia to be Georgia for a very long time. I expect to be what to what to be what Georgia to be to what Alabama's been the last decade. That's what I expect. So you- so you think Georgia is the new SEC dynasty? Yeah, absolutely. Because because here's here's the thing. Kirby Smart, like Nick Saban, it's the recruiting is great, but what also helps recruiting, Chris, is that you have you have, you have to be yeah, winning winning helps. <laughs> win, win, you took the word right out. It's winning, like winning is, is super great. And not only that, you have the resume to say, hey, you come here. You will be in the you you you'll be drafted. If you want to have a if you if you have a legitimate shot of going to the NFL, come here to Georgia. The same it's the same Nick Saban pitch. Where all you got to do is just watch games on Sunday. That's the resume. That's you don't need a physical resume. Just 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 flip the game on. So speaking of the NFL. Oh, Interesting games, and all I'm going to say is, and I, I feel this is going to be a very brief segment for me, because, like I say, I, I hate to keep harping on coaching this year, but, like, listen, you know, I understand, like, what, what, what for the, for for the Denver Broncos, I get that your owner work, you know, has, is the Walmart air, but you, you don't have to play like great value, all right? You don't, you don't, you don't have, you don't have to do that. Like, listen, and I, listen. I like great value. Listen, I might low key go to Walmart and get some great value stuff. So I'm not gonna sit here and knock it. But the thing you have, and then Tom Brady is going to all. And I, like as I mentioned in a previous segment, 
Tom Brady keeps proving to you on a week by week basis of how of his greatness. If you ever doubted his greatness, what you've seen, and if you didn't see the comeback against the Rams a few weeks ago, if you didn't see the comeback on Monday night, oh, well, I don't care what the teams are bad. I don't care about the teams. Listen, the, the Bucks. listen, that whole NFC South is cheeks. The whole division is cheeks. It's all cheeks in a cumulative sense. Like Tampa Bay is the top of the at the top of the cheeks, and you kind of work your way down from there. But the but the thing is, Tom Brady has is like, listen, they're gonna have a very, very, very tough test coming up in week 14. We're gonna see when the rubber hits the road when it comes to Tom Brady. But all in all, I'll I'll save some stuff for the back end. But Chris, give me your thoughts on boy, week. 13. We are getting there, folks. We're getting yeah, there of the NFL. Um, you know, I think some of these games went, uh, you know, again, like I said, in, in, on the college side, the way they should have. Um, definitely some tragedy uh, this week. And I guess we'll start with that with the uh, with the San Francisco 49ers. Um, so not only did they have one, but now two quarterbacks with massive foot ankle injuries that are done for the season. Um, you know, J- Jimmy G he's, he's done with a broken foot and, uh, man, it's just, it's rough. It's, that's, that's rough, you know? Um, but you know what? Brock Purdy stepped right up and right in through for 210 yards and two touchdowns and, and fast fired against a very fast and diligent Miami, uh, team at both offensive and defensive they have some great speed on them and you know with putting Brock Purdy under center um I was a little concerned I was like yeah this is where Miami just pulls away and and goes off with it and this is where Christian McCaffrey gets no numbers and I'm gonna end up losing my fantasy team and I'm just gonna be righteously pissed off and uh thankfully that didn't happen um but you know uh it's just San Francisco man they are they are cursed with quarterbacks um, I don't even know if if I was an NFL quarterback, if I would want to go play for them because I don't want my little legs broken to be like Lieutenant Dan. Uh, you know, it's just damn. I like I, I don't even know really what to say uh, in, in that situation. That's just that's a that's a rough situation. And with Jimmy G's age and that type of injury, you start to question: Can he come back from it? Um, you know, he was already kind of one foot out of the door, but all pun intended. Uh, maybe it's too soon for that joke uh with with san francisco and then everything happens with uh with trey lance and then they bring him back and pay him and here we are and now he's got a season ending injury so what happens now where does he end up uh you know same bat time same bat channel we'll we'll know more later on um you know some of the other games of course the if, if if there's one team that can figure out how to ruin somebody's day it's the washington commanders uh, they end up getting to a tie with the New York Giants, uh, twenty to twenty. Uh, and again, you know, you just sometimes you can't even plan for this. So now it's such a weird division. You've got the Giants at seven and four, the Commanders at seven and five and one. Uh, interesting situation there in that division. Um, to stay in that division, another assault happened over the weekend, and that was the Dallas Cowboys and the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, that was a that was a hard game to watch um personally for me because i'm just, i'm a matt ryan fan i've never been a falcons fan i've just been a matt ryan fan 
And I, I just, I think at this point he needs to hang it up. Um, another, yet another game, he throws more interceptions than touchdowns. Uh, he, he went 21 for 37, 233 yards, two touchdowns and three out of three picks. Um, because of his issues in production, I think that's starting to affect Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor only had 82 yards, didn't see the end zone. Um, the Colts need to figure out a situation there at quarterback. And unfortunately, as much as it pains me to say this, I don't think it's Matt Ryan. And as much as I don't want to see him be put back on the bench, I think A, for his health, and B, for his mental health, I think he just needs to be just ride the bench out for the rest of the season, get him out and, you know, get him done. Um, you know, on the other side of the ball, um, you know, with the Cowboys, pretty, pretty good game at the end of the day, you know, uh, you know, Dak Prescott threw for 170 yards, three TDs, one pick, uh, Tony Pollard saw the end zone twice on 91 yards. Zeke finally started to come out of his shell, 77 yards and a touchdown. And then Malik Davis, uh, 29 yards and a touchdown. C.D. Lamb led it uh, reception-wise, 71 yards and a touchdown. Um, you know, these Cowboys, we were really busting balls the beginning of the year. And we're now in week going into week 14, and they're 9-3. and three, And they're still not the best team in their division. <laughs> at nine and three. There are divisions at nine and three, you would look like a god among men, hence the NFC South, but we won't talk about them. Um, and here we are uh, getting ready to start pushing, crunching numbers for playoffs and wild cards. And the Cowboys are a legitimate contender. And the scary thing is, is that they're able, I mean, they walked into Minnesota. Minnesota's arguably one of the best teams in the NFL right now and straight up embarrassed Minnesota. And then they come out and they wall up Indianapolis. You know, we might be seeing a corner being turned like in, you know, the old Daytona 500 where it's the last lap and you just go pedal to the metal and uh, ride the wall, whatever you got to do to cross that finish line first. And I, I think we might be seeing that with them. Um, you know, uh, the, the Packers finally look pretty decent. You know, Aaron Rodgers still owns the Bears. I heard they're, they're changing the name from Soldier Field to uh, Aaron Rodgers' house because uh, he, he still owns Chicago. Um, you know, the Bills put a nice beat down on the on the Patriots. Uh, the Steelers got a good hard-fought game against the Falcons. Um, yeah, and then the Detroit Lions, we talked about them last week. They're just that team that could ruin somebody's season. And, and they just continue to do it. And lo and behold, they played the Jags this week and definitely put a little bit of a, a thumping on them. Um, and then, you know, the Jets and, and the Vikings – unfortunately Mike White didn't see a touchdown this game, uh, but he did see two picks, but he still threw for 369 yards. So that's two games plus that he's seen over 300 passing yards. I can't tell you how many times that Zach Wilson did that in a row. Um, you know, Garrett Wilson led the charge 162 yards on eight receptions. That's 20.2 yards uh, for you math nerds out there. Unfortunately, he didn't see a, uh, a touchdown. Uh, Corey Davis really came, you know, first really full game back up to game speed, you know, five receptions uh, on on 85 yards. And then on the ground, Zonovan Knight, 15 carries for 90 yards. Um, that, that, those aren't bad numbers, you know, to, to, if, if we're really going to talk about things. James, James Robinson didn't have as good of a game, um, but Zonovan Knight really started to come out of a shell. 
Um, you know, then on the on the other side of the ball with the Vikings, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins, 173 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Dalvin Cook, 86 yards and a touchdown. Um, you know, Justin Jefferson, 45 yards and a, and a touchdown. Uh, but, you know, the again, the Jets defense, it's like we talked about with Georgia. The Jets defense is that Georgia defense of last year. They're keeping them in games and letting them win games that maybe they shouldn't be winning. And I think we've seen some of those games, i.e. the Dolphins, i.e. the Bills. Um, you know, and, and we talked about last week that the Jets have a very challenging road in front of them to stake in a playoff contingency. And then Robert Sala has a very hard decision to make. What's he going to do at quarterback? Does he keep Zach Wilson on the bench? Does he suit him up and maybe put him in as a second string? Does he keep Mike White in at the helm? Does he, does he put Zach Wilson back on, on the start? A lot of things in 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 East Rutherford there that they need to figure out. And, uh, you know, as a Jets fan, you know, am I upset that we lost? Yes, did I expect it? You know, against a Minnesota team, yes. And we talked about Minnesota. Minnesota was kind of like the New England Patriots uh, of, of the years past where they had a, a not good defense, but their offense is just so overwhelming. You know, if you look, you know, you got Tom Brady's quarterback and you had Gronkowski and Edelman and Amendola and, and Randy Moss. And it's the same thing with every time you turn around the Minnesota Vikings. Now, I'm not comparing Kirk Cousins, of course, to, to Tom Brady, but Kirk Cousins really came out of his shell this season. And, and really, he's, he's put on a show. And then you, when you got guys like Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook and now the, the addition of TJ Hokinson, I think the overall best pickup in all of this season before the draft dead, or the, the trade deadline was TJ Hokinson going to the, the Minnesota Vikings. That is a piece that they needed since Kevin Rudolph was, uh, has been out of there. Um, overall, I've been definitely some great games this week. Um, I know you wanted to touch on a couple and pick on some coaches more. Uh, so as, as the, uh, the, the people in the house and Senate say, I will yield my time back to you. Thank you, Senator. Uh <laughs> I just, just a couple of points before we get to your fantasy, to be quick. I think to your point about Matt Ryan, I, I've been a Falcons fan over 20 years. I, I have a lot of respect for Matt Ryan. And it hurt me deeply to see, to see it. Because I, I said going into this year, I kind of figured this was going to be Matt Ryan's swan song one way or the other. And, and to be clear, Matt Ryan is not the source of the problems in Indianapolis. He's not. But what Matt Ryan is, is a professional. And, and I'll always take Matt Ryan's side of that situation with Atlanta and, and the whole Deshaun, you know, all that nonsense. But what I saw Sunday night, I saw a guy that, you know, Jeff Saturday who has just as much coaching experience as is any one of us, not knocking it, should have the foresight to say, for the sake of the future of the franchise, you have to see what you have in Sam Ellinger. Because in a draft where it's going to be a quarterback-driven draft projected-wise from what I've seen and what I've looked at you know, nerd-wise, you have to kind of start looking like, is Sam Ellinger the guy? If not, should we invest our first-round pick to a quarterback? And – and, and my Falcons are in the same situation where I feel like we're on a bye. So this is the time to get Desmond Ritter prepped to see if he's the guy. Because there's only so many games left this season where you can see him in live action. 
not just in practice, to see him in the game because we know what Marcus Mariota is. We know what he is. He, he's been in the league nine years. We know what he is. Eight, nine years, so we know what he is. But we have to see what Desmond Ritter is, and that's kind of the theme. And stick with quarterbacks, like I said, with the Broncos, I just feel at this point where, like, Lamar Jackson, who got knocked out of the game, he's going to be out one to three weeks. With the, I think it was a PCL injury. I'm not at the – but he's going to be out one to three weeks. So with no Lamar Jackson in the game, you would think that the better quarterback, Russell Wilson, the, the Broncos could win this thing. Well, folks, if you took your money to Vegas and you thought that, you deserve to lose your money. Because, listen, at this stage in the game, Nathaniel Hackett shouldn't have a job. Like, one and done coaches don't have a problem with that. When you look across, like, people like, oh, well, fire Josh McDaniel. Josh, listen, the Raiders are going to be better at the end of the season. It's just this season has just been tumultuous from, from the top-down process. They're going to be fine. Like, Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona, he, he's playing for his job. He's coaching. It's amazing to me when we talk about that. Like, people are like, oh, Josh McDaniel's going to be fired. No, Mark Davis didn't want to cut that big check. He's not stupid. He, he put resources into getting Josh McDaniel's. For Cliff Kingsbury, he's expendable, given the fact that they gave Kyler Murray a big deal. So they got if, if that duo doesn't work, Cliff Kingsbury is going to go. And just and just one final absolute point for our transition. It's amazing to me when we talk about teams in the NFL. I've always said this, and Chris has heard me say this. I remember back when Jalen Hurts came out in the draft. I don't know if you can recall, Chris, but I had a first-round grade on Jalen Hurts. And people were like, well, why? I said, "You get, watch watch film. It doesn't surprise me what Jalen Hurts is doing, and that's why in that very tight NFC East, the Eagles got better. And like, and like I said, after that loss to Washington, that was the best thing. Losing is usually not great, but when you're undefeated and then all that pressure, all that pressure to, to keep being undefeated, Listen, when they lost to Washington, that was the best thing that happened to them because they needed to lose. They needed to learn to lose. And and if people understand, losing doesn't make you a terrible team. Sometimes losing helps you win down the road. And for the Eagles, that helped them. That loss, because look how look what they did to Tennessee. Like, I tell people, oh, oh dear. Like, no, it's going to make them better. It's going to make them better. And, and Nick Sirianni, Coach of the Year candidate, they're doing a great job over there. Speaking of coaching, and now we'll transition to from coaching to, well, in a way, you can coach your fantasy team. Why not? If you have your headset and you got your little playbook, hey, good for you guys. I'm proud of you. Me, I just scream at my team at my computer and people think I'm off. But that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> because, listen, just like, you know, hey, Listen, judgment-free zone, just like Planet Fitness, it's a judgment-free zone. So, but here we are, Chris, heading into week 14 of fantasy for, for, the, for the majority of leagues. It's playoff time. Jimmy G, with his injury, Jimmy G's going to be out for the season. But if the 49ers, and this is a scenario, if you play it out, no surgery, which means that there's a chance he could play it in the divisional round. If the – if should – should the 49ers get there? Yeah. So should they get there? So 
So on the quarterback front, a couple of injuries. So we, here we are, fantasy football, week 14. Chris, take it away. Man, yeah, it's like you said, it's it's crunch time now, boys uh, and girls or whatever, so, you know, you call yourself. Um, it's most most yeah most leagues you're getting ready to hit the playoffs um they've neither you're going to be playing uh, uh round one this week or you've got funny league managers like me who make you wait one more week to suffer through the regular season before the playoffs start um and you know thankfully for me i uh so the three teams so i've cut this season down to, to manage three teams Two out of the three teams, I have officially been uh, approved for the playoffs. I have secured my spot. Uh, I'm uh, in my other league. I'm a I'm in a must win situation this week, so it's it's stress is a little high on that one. Um, but yeah, like I said, you, you know where you where you stand. Uh, if you're if you're still in a situation where you're in a must win, or even if you're still playing and you're on the back end, if you if you're not making the playoffs start sacrificing the losses get the earlier draft picks for next year and uh, uh try better try harder next year um you know for your your stardom sit-ems for week 14 same rundown quarterback running backs wideouts tight ends uh get you all the info you're going to need to try to have yourself a successful week uh starting with quarterbacks so your must starts of course your jalen hurts your patrick mahomes uh your josh allen's your joe burrows etc uh some of your stronger starts so you've got dak prescott with the dallas cowboys uh playing houston this week yeah, he's back to his old passing self, and I, if you notice the past few games, Dallas has been getting very, very aggressive downfield. Uh, and then you have a, uh, a Houston Texans uh, that, well, just have no defense. So I think Dak Prescott's going to have himself a very, very fun game. Um, Kirk Cousins is in a very similar situation with the Detroit Lions. They're just getting destroyed in secondary. Um, I think this this will be the game where that's going to be the NFC North clinching game. Um, so that'll put Vikings in a, in a guaranteed playoff spot. Um, and I think that Kirk is going to have himself a lovely day against the, against the Lions. Tom Brady going against San Francisco. The pass rush matchup is is going to be brutal without Tristan Worfs uh, and a struggling Donovan Smith. Uh, but there's enough holes in the uh, 49ers secondary that I think uh, definitely Tua exposed last week that I think that Tom Brady is definitely going to have himself a multiple touchdown, high yard performance. Um, and I think that he's definitely going to going to do himself a, uh, a fun time there. Uh, Geno Smith with the Seattle Seahawks going to Carolina uh, on on paper. This is going to be a, a tough per se matchup. But when it comes down to the X's and O's, um, I think that you've got Seattle's depleted running game is in, in disarray. And that's going to make Geno Smith go to the air. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are still that one two punch for him. And Geno Smith has been playing some serious ball. And I, again, I just, I got to give this guy credit for the work that he has done uh, in, in the situation that with, with the Seahawks, Ryan Tannehill and the uh, Tennessee Titans going against Jacksonville. I definitely throw, he's going to throw more than expected with, with Jacksonville just to do everything they can to not have Derrick Henry just run all over them. So I think they're going to, they're going to stack the box and they're going to have those corners and those safeties play short and then that's when Tannehill's just going to be able to air over their head, and uh, he's, he's definitely going to have himself a decent game. Uh, some of your DFS DraftKings uh, streamers, your Jared Goff, uh, your uh, Tyler Huntley, um, you're going to be able to get those guys $5,500 and under more than likely in your leagues, um, and they're going to be able to put some points up for you. Um, they may not win games, but they will put points in. Um, going to your weaker starts, uh, you've got Deshaun Watson from the Browns going against the uh, Bengals. 
Um, this, this isn't just a knee-jerk reaction against a shaky debut, but rather you have an improved Bengals pass defense that's been proven good on the road as of late. Uh, Derek Carr with the uh, the Las Vegas Raiders going against the Los Angeles Rams. I think that um, the volume limited that he's going to have is, and then also with the Rams defense actually still playing some ball, I think it's going to make it a difficult day for Derek Carr. Uh, Daniel Jones from the New York Giants, they play Philly this week. Um, it's Philly. We'll just leave it at that. Um, Mike White, you know, the New York Jets, as great as he's been playing, um, they're playing Buffalo. And I think this is definitely going to be a revenge game from the upset from a couple weeks ago. And I think Buffalo is kind of back to their old self again. Uh, it, it was the anomaly in the Matrix. Um, and the, the creator fixed it. And Buffalo is just back to just doing some serious damage. Um, Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos going against Kansas City. Um, I can't even trust him with the negative game script. Um, I think that uh, he should be investigated for for um, fraud because what he promised and what he's delivering are two vastly different things. Um, and then Brock Purdy and the 49ers, as, as tempting as a streamer as he is in place of, of Jimmy G right now, um, Tampa Bay's defense is still holding their own. And at the end of the day, too, Tampa Bay's defense statistically does very well against uh, rookie quarterbacks. So just keep that in the back of your mind. Your must-starts, of course, for your running backs, your Austin Eckler's, Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, Christian McCaffrey's, uh, Saquon Barkley's, you know, all those guys. If you don't know them, just go ahead and stop listening. Um, some of your go-tos, I think, are going to be Cam Akers and the Rams going against Las Vegas. He's suddenly back to the, back to the man of the backfield, and I think that he's going to be able to take advantage of the all-around volume. And then also Las Vegas' defense has been in complete disarray uh, with the situation there. Uh, Gus Edwards and the Ravens going against Pittsburgh. Um, look for some pop time here with Tyler Huntley as the, uh, as the Steelers can be very giving against power running teams. So just keep that in the back of your minds. And then Zonovan Knight, you know, he, he has, he's not like the main man in the backfield, but he's looked really, really good and kind of been earning that main man spot, uh, in the backfield and Buffalo statistically just, that's the only thing they really have an issue with is, is covering the run. Um, and especially with a situation that they really don't have a lot of game film on Mike White. So they don't really have a lot to work off of. So definitely expect some some decent situations there. Um, your DFS, your DraftKings, those types of guys, um, Tony Pollard, Miles Sanders, uh, uh, Deonta Freeman, you're going to be able to buy all those guys for about $6,200 and under. Um, if you're in a situation where you might need a streamer, most of these guys uh, in like a 10 to 12 personally possibly are available if they haven't already been scooped up on the, on the free wire, on the free agency wire or um, you know, possibly early in the season, maybe a trade, but it's a little too late for that. So um, we'll, we'll see you there. Some of your weaker starts, um, Rashad White and Leonard Fournette from Tampa Bay going against the, the, uh, the 49ers. That works well against the Saints, but the 49ers front is very different and very scary. Um, the 49ers have shut the run down, and I expect them to do that. And Tom Brady's going to be carrying a bigger workload through the air. Uh, Najee Harris from Pittsburgh going against Baltimore. It's just tough to run. Baltimore is another team with a very tough front that they're they're hard to run against. Um, James Cook and Devin Singletary, the Buffalo Bills, going against the New York Jets. Uh, this is a tough spot where Allen, Josh Allen, in this game is going to have himself, regardless of who is the quarterback position for the Jets. Josh Allen still has to win against the New York Jets defense at the end of the day, and you're going to have Sauce Gardner so far up Stephon Diggs' ass, and he's going to be able to tell him what he had for lunch four days ago. 
and the rest of the New York Jets defense is going to be in the face of Josh Allen. So don't expect a lot in the run game coming out of these guys. Uh, Kareem Hunt with the Cleveland Browns going against the Bengals. Um, I don't think he's going to get the, the 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 touch time that he has because Nick Chubb has just been playing so much better. And then also Cincinnati does have a that good coverage defense. Um, you know, push it into wide receivers, your go-tos, your Tyree Kills, Justin Jefferson's, Jamar Chases. You guys know him. You've got him on your team. Uh, some of your strong starts that I think are going to be a, a good situation. Uh, so the, probably the most hidden strong start is going to be Adam Thielen and the Vikings going against the Detroit Lions. I think Detroit's going to be so hyper-focused on Justin Jefferson that once again, Thielen is going to find the end zone working in the slot here. Number one, Detroit sucks at covering the slot. Number two, they it's like they forget that Adam Thielen is on the field. And we've seen this the, the past three, four games. He's seen some touchdown times in there. We've got to, and we've got to see him really, really perform. Uh, Marquise Brown from the Arizona Cardinals going against the Patriots. Uh, the Patriots have a very hard time handling outside receivers, and especially one with downfield speed like Marquise Brown. So expect him to have a good game. Um, I think Jerry Judy coming back for the Broncos. I don't expect the Broncos to, to definitely win, but I expect that with him returning last week, he can put together a good catch and yardage game. Um, and especially if Cortland Sutton is going to be sat, depending on his hamstring injury, they're saying that's going to be a game-time decision. Uh, DJ Chark of the Detroit Lions against Minnesota. We've talked about this. Uh, Minnesota's defense sucks. Their offense wins some games, so expect uh, Chark to have a, a decent yardage. And then on top of that, Jared Goff actually has been playing modestly decent, so I can't take that away from, from him either. Um, I expect Michael Gallup of the Dallas Cowboys to have a huge game against Houston. Same situation. All eyes on C.D. Lamb, and Michael Gallup is just going to be like, hi, I'm here, touchdown, bang, here we go. Uh, Jacoby Myers and uh, from the New England Patriots going against Arizona. He's a volume-based player against a very shaky cornerback core of Arizona. So he's going to get – if you're in a PPR league, I would probably start Jacoby Myers this week. And I think he's going to have himself a, a decently good situation. Um, same thing with Tyler Boyd going against the Browns. I think that um, when Jamar Chase was out, Tyler Boyd definitely stepped up and, and handled himself very well. Uh and then the situation now is with no Hayden Hurst with his calf injury. I think it's going to be a very strong one-two punch between uh, Jamar Chase and uh, Tyler Boyd. Some of your DFS DraftKings guys you can be able to get for uh, for like $7,800 and under. T. Higgins, uh, Tyler Lockett, Mike Evans, Christian Kirk. Um, if you're in a situation and these guys might be available, um, have, have at it. Do yourself a favor and grab them. I think their matchups are very favorable. Some of your weaker starts um, – uh, for this week, as great as DJ Moore has been playing as of late with the Panthers, um, he's likely to see a, a very tough spot against uh, uh, Tariq Woolen. I think that's just a, a shaky situation. I've also got Deontay Johnson and George Pickens uh, from the Steelers going against Baltimore. The Ravens secondary, they're just good. They are just good. Um, I think that um, Donovan Peoples-Jones from the Browns, He's going to have a, a rough situation there against the Bengals because, again, the pen, the Bengals have been doing very well and they and they have been putting some wins together and they've been playing well defensively. And then also that that chemistry just isn't there with Deshaun Watson yet. Uh, Darius Slayton with the uh, New York Giants going against Philly. Um, I think that it's the same situation there. It's going to be it's going to be a weird 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 way for them to to struggle there a little bit. Um, especially against Philadelphia. Uh, Philadelphia has been up and down defensively, 
But I think because of the experience of playing against the the Giants and and it's Darius Slayton, it, there's just too much inconsistency there. Um, I've got Corey Davis actually taking a backseat this week. Um, I think that at the end of the day against Buffalo's defense and just because of how well he's been playing, I think Garrett Wilson's the only reputable New York Jets uh, receiver to even consider starting. So Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, um, you possibly might want them to have a seat. Um, and as much as that, I want to say yes to this man, Demarcus Robinson from the uh, Baltimore Ravens going against Pittsburgh. The numbers say yes, but the use of Baltimore's wideout, and especially now with the quarterback situation with Lamar Jackson possibly not even playing, um, I think that's going to be a, a black eye for him that it's not going to be a, a, a good situation. Um, your must starts, your tight ends, your Travis Kelsey's, your George Kittles, your Mark Andrews, you, you know him. Some of your stronger starts, uh, Evan Ingram from the Jacksonville Jaguars going against Tennessee. Uh, I think he's going to stay hot against a shaky Tennessee defense that just struggles against guarding tight ends. Um, Hunter Henry of the New England Patriots against Arizona. Uh, this is definitely, if, if you remember back in the day, Ladarius, the old game genie, the game shark, and you put the cheat codes in. Uh, Hunter Henry is the cheat code against Arizona. Arizona statistically has one of the worst tight end coverages in the entire NFL. Uh, Tyler Higby with the Rams going against the uh, Vegas Raiders. Um, I think that he, he's going to have a bounce back game. He didn't do play too hot against the uh, the Seahawks, and he missed out on, on that. I think him coming back here is going to be himself a, a great situation. Um, and then last but not least, I got Greg Dolchich from the Broncos going against Kansas City. I think he's going to start heating up, and I think he, outside of Jerry Judy, he's going to be the best option. And Kansas City is mediocre at best at covering tight ends. They're not terrible, but they're also not limiting them to less than 50 yards a game. Um, you know, your DFS DraftKings, for some reason, you're able to pick this guy up super cheap. It's TJ Hokinson for the Vikings. You'll be able to pick him up for like under 5,200. Uh, I think that the, this guy is, you talk about great value. Uh, TJ Hokinson is like that off-brand awesome tight end. He does get talked about a lot. And I think going into next season, he will become that brand name. But I think for right now, if you can scoop him up and you're in a situation, grab him, do yourself that favor. Uh, some of your weaker starts. So I've got uh, Tyler Conklin from the New York Jets against Buffalo. The Bills are one of the strongest in position coverage against tight ends. And then also Mike White just seems to favor passing to wide receivers over tight ends. That's just, again, it, it's it's just statistics here I'm, I'm looking through. Uh, Mike Jacecki from the uh, Miami Dolphins. Um, he's a very touchdown dependent tight end. And I think that against the, the Chargers, he ain't going to see the board. Uh, I think it's going to be a very passive game with Tyreek Hill. Um, and he's going to be running the show. Um, Daniel Ballinger from the New York Giants. We you know we've talked about him on the show that, he, you know, he's been he's been up and down. He's on track to return, but I don't think he can be trusted in this game. Philly is just a tough team to play. Uh, Harrison Bryant with the Browns. Um, he's not been getting it done whenever uh, Ninjoku has been playing because of the, uh, that kind of ongoing knee injury. Um, and then on the opposite side of the Bills and Jets game, Dawson Knox, uh, you know, from the Bills going against the Jets. Number one, he hasn't been seeing uh, the ball a lot. And then this matchup definitely does not favor tight ends. The Jets have just been shutting some tight ends down. Um, those are my stardoms and center for week 14. Um, you know, as I always say, good luck to everyone, except if you play me, then I hope you lose. Uh, I hope to see some of you guys in the playoffs so I can beat you again and enjoy every every moment of it. Uh, for the ones that I don't, well, I'm happy that I didn't let you in. Always on a high note. But <laughs> but I, I forgot. And listen, I'm not one to glow. 
But listen, I'm, I'm gloating in a negative way. Listen, I probably won't see you get in the playoff. In I'm in five leagues, and yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Like I'm I'm sub five hundred in some, and I'm over five hundred in others. But we'll just leave it at that. But like Chris said, before we put a button on the show, follow the advice. He's been money all season and started the sitems. So heed the advice, listen to the advice. And before we put a button to show, anything else you want to say, Chris, before I put a button on the show? No, nah, man, I, I think that covers it. You know, uh, like I said, I, I enjoyed watching Ohio State play this weekend. Um, enjoy that Aaron Judge got paid and uh, enjoy, enjoying some fantasy football, man. And then, and like I said, and then just Tom Brady at 45 years old, you, you, you back this man against the wall. He's going to Hulk out on you. And uh, once again, you know, Three minutes left in the fourth quarter, down by two touchdowns. The dude just goes Super Saiyan mode, cheat code mode, God mode, whatever you want to call it. Yep. And it doesn't, man. So, yeah, uh, f- fun week. Looking forward to it going in. We get, you know, a quiet week in, in football for college side. NFL keeps heating up. And, uh, you know, maybe next week we'll start talking about some of the offseason moves that baseball might be doing, the, the he says, she says uh, shenanigans, and go from there. Yeah. You see, it's always great. Chris recaps the show. It, 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 it's, it's it's like capturing an animal in the wild. It's like you have to take the snapshot. Because usually I, I usually I would recap like what we're going to talk about down the road. But listen, all I got to do is just say, listen, like and subscribe to this episode, every episode of the Sports in the World podcast. Check out the social media at Ladares underscore Brown on Twitter and TikTok. On this week, I previewed the Thursday night football game between the Raiders and the Rams. Check that out. Uh, follow me on Instagram at Leonard, double underscore run. Follow Chris on Instagram at it's Christagram. And Twitter. I still need to get I still need to get a Twitter, man. I've been I've been so busy doing other stuff, man. I I, I will I will have a Twitter before the end of the year. I promise you that. And he says that now because listen, it's it's December seventh, so he knows there's weeks left in 2022. So you heard it here first. He left. said. He said, if not, then I'll get some of you guys invisible ice cream. But until you hear us again next time, I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. Be real, be you, be blessed, and be safe from all of us here from the Sports and the World Podcast. See you.